Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is the show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it. There's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish a book, I do the review and stick it up here on the podcast feed for everyone to download and listen to. Joining me today, like normal, is Juliana. Say hello, Juliana. Hello, everyone. And it's a good job we don't have a set schedule for this because if I had to do like one episode every week or every two weeks or even every month it <laughs> yeah. might have been a bit of a struggle yes absolutely uh to get through this book um because uh, actually no it was a, yeah the last episode wasn't even a it wasn't even a book review was it it was no uh, it was a special uh, episode let me uh, let me quickly refresh this page oh maybe i shouldn't have refreshed the page um yes lessons learned from sfbrp listening a special episode at 5 20 uh that was released almost exactly a month ago on the 23rd of july it's yep. now the 25th of August, one day before my birthday. Yes. And uh, the previous book that we reviewed was on the 15th of July. And the reason why I wanted to get that special episode in is because I was like, all right, I'm going in. I'm doing the biggest book. The biggest book that we've reviewed so far. The biggest book we've reviewed Maybe not, so far. But here, here we go. Night's Dawn Trilogy by Peter F. Hamilton. Right. Okay? Uh, narrated, okay. all of these narrated by John Lee. Book one, um, The Reality Dysfunction, which I think I reviewed back in like March or whatever. Yes. Um, 41 hours and six minutes. Book two, The Neutronium, Neutronium Alchemist. 40 hours and 21 minutes. You're like, oh, about 40 hours. And then it's book three, The Naked God, 48 hours and 37 minutes. Now, I have done wow. bigger books than that. I think maybe some Brandon Sanderson's have been bigger. You know, there's, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's been some chunky books here. But it is one of the biggest, like, audiobooks. And it's taken me two work trips, a European juggling convention, and, you know, just time to get through this book because it's been quite, uh, quite a... Uh, a reading yeah. process. This is one of those things that when I, because it's digital, because it's you, you don't have actually CDs that you yeah. have to put in a player and listen to, yeah. and because you you don't have the book in front of you, um, that actually uh, kind of like makes it very abstract. Like, okay, we only can see. Okay, it's what forty eight hours. Yeah, forty eight hours, but that's a <gasps> lot it's, of listening. It's so much. And the way that it is set, it's difficult to like. Sometimes if it's a book that I don't really care about the details or whatever, I'll just be like, oh, I'll listen to it one point one or one point two yeah. speed, you know. Or, yeah. 1.5 speed although that's I, I don't even think I think these apps say that it's a 1.5 speed but it's not because that would be like really insane to listen to some of these speeds that would but, drive me crazy um, but yeah it's a Peter Hamilton he writes chunky books sometimes which again I've got no problems with at all like 40, 48 hour audiobook here's the thing this is a big series and I could talk about what happens in this book and the kind of things that go on in a massive space opera. When oh, so I, much. Yeah, but it's too much. It's yes. too much. And also yes. for you, for me to give all the context of what's gone on so far, I would have to give the context of, well, yeah, like two previous 40-hour <laughs> audiobooks, like which characters am I going to include and which am I not? What yeah. star systems, what alien races, what problems that have come up are gonna, what am I going to bring up? But this... That um, wouldn't do it justice, would it? It... No, I it, mean, we it, would have to do it's, literally... It's, it's literally impossible to do this book justice, by, yeah. except by saying this is a, a, a remarkable, um, well, I wouldn't say achievement, but it's like a, a good challenge. Well, it's not even a challenge because it's, it's escapism, it's fun, it's breezy, it's just long. But it's one of the best examples of, hey, do you want science fiction? Like, you know, these things, the, the things that you get out of these big, uh, long running fantasy books where there's like lots of characters moving around, doing all kinds of different things, you yes, know. Yes. Um, and this is a book which is like, all right, that 
but with science fiction. But also there is some, I wouldn't say there's fantasy bit in it, but there's some, you know, there's like, say, some horror stuff, some other fantasy kind of stuff. Like elements that would normally pop up in fantasy or horror turn up in this book. Again, that's what I mentioned that in the review of the first book, or maybe didn't mention it because it's a bit of a spoiler, actually, what the main problem of this book is. But I just want to say it's, it's a fun one. So instead of going through this book and talking about specific things that I liked or disliked, I kind of want to like abstract it back out a bit uh, into two different areas. Okay. One is Peter Hamilton, and I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, he likes writing about religion. Yes, obviously. I think a lot of authors don't like writing about religion because it's it's almost immediately a way to like exclude readers. Yeah. And or not, to even appall readers. Oh, no, appall readers. But I don't want to say this in, in a way that, oh, they only care about, you know, like, you, you don't want to say anything about our Christians because Christians will get upset. Or you won't want to get a, 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 anything, you know, you don't want to say anything about Muslims, especially because, you know, you know, you could get a, have a fatwa put on you or whatever if you do fantasy, which features, you yeah. know, um, characters from the Quran or what, whatever it's going to be. Or yes. Characters from the Quran. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm like, you, you, already you're like <laughs> treading on like, oh, no, no, don't want to do that um but what i really like about peter hamilton is that he just leans into it and says one of the main driving forces of humanity is religion like one of the biggest parts of many people's life is religion yeah in negative positive and negative ways negative ways is that you know thing like people will do irrational things because religion is is telling them to do it they think it is telling them or they think that it's telling them to do it yes and positive in that religion can give you purpose in life yeah community no purpose in life as in you want to be a better person so when you die you go to heaven rather than hell okay bring this into a science fiction world or explore these ideas by or put it this way by exploring these ideas yeah in a fictional world and specifically a science fictional world or many of the worlds that he he talks about there yeah. are these devices you know the whole um when technology is uh, sufficiently advanced it's indistinguishable from magic yes how about when techno- technology or alien races are so fu- so advanced they're indistinguishable from gods yeah then if technology is sufficiently advanced or our understanding of physics gets sufficiently advanced um our understanding of what that leads to is is uh, indistinguishable from heaven or hell mm. or purgatory or these other kind of things right bring these into galaxy spanning stories or civilization spanning stories or multiple civilizations of different (laughs) alien spanning stories yeah suddenly you've got a playground to play with a playground to play with a playground (laughs) where you can uh, explore different facets of religion and then you get an author who's willing to do this over many series of books Oh yeah, and so this is the first this this Knight's Dawn trilogy is like one of the first ones, and it's kind of almost when well, no, I wouldn't say almost it's one of the most explicit ones because it's literally saying when people die, their souls may or may not go directly to into an afterlife, okay. and one of the afterlifes might be a hell slash purgatory where they're hanging around. Right, it's like a, a waiting state. A waiting state. So bad people will, their souls will hang around. And people who think they've got unfinished business, their souls or ghosts or whatever you want to call them, will hang around 
either tied somewhere physically or in this like uh, this expanse of like you know this dimensionless you know it's called in here called the beyond right um, where the souls hang out yeah and you're like okay if that's true how does that become a story oh then there's going to be a reality dysfunction and that's going to allow souls to come back and start possessing people okay in in real life right and so like so then it's like not demon possession but possession of uh yeah previous, souls, previous alive people, people alive people yeah. possessing power, uh, people and then those those people with the possession they've got some um benefits of they have like this energetic power like or energy ah. manipulation power and they can shoot fire out of their fingers and <laughs> they can change reality around them just by what they think okay also they can and again this is some stuff that happens in the in the first book but you know we're, we're talking about the third book the third book now so generally they can take things out of the out of the universe they can actually just remove entire planets from existence from Ooh. our existence and take them through into other realms where there is no access from that realm to the beyond so they're not when they die they're not going to go back into this purgatory hell kind of thing. anyway so this is what's going on in this book and then in his other in his other um things as well there's um uh what, what have we got here so this is uh you've also got the dreaming void temporal void evolutionary void yes and this is a story where you look at reading the first book and going okay there's some fantasy section going over here and some science fictiony stuff yes. going over here it's set in the same you know time as the you know or not the same time in the Ooh. same universe as the um uh, judas unchained or the the um pandora star and judas unchained yeah and there you're in a world where you're like, oh, I don't really... And then it's understood, okay, all of these cultists want to go into this thing at the centre of the galaxy yeah. where you can control your own reality and you can rewind time and try and, like, make your best life. And it's actually, oh, right, in that place, people have magical power. And then if there's a religion of people like, that for us is heaven. We want to get there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and you go, but, oh, no, no, but religion is irrational. And you go, no, but what if it isn't? If what if it isn't irrational? What if there are like ways of like when like take away the irrationality of religion? What what could be there? If you know what I mean, it's not saying that any specific Earth religion is true. Um, although in this book there's hints at it if you know what I mean that oh there might have been possessions in the past or whatever and you know there's some uh, you know there's some t- there's some people who are like oh yeah these amulets that people have there is actually some power but we don't know we don't really understand it or something you know yeah. there's some ancient history earth history stuff where you go ah oh, right that there, there might have been some of this in the past you know yeah um anyway it's one of those things where it's so good. It, it's really interesting. Oh, and he also does it in others as well, like in the Salvation. I mean, literally, what's the name of the book? Salvation. salvation. Yes. Saints of Salvation. Yes. Salvation Lost. There's there's a lot of religion stuff in there. In that case, it's not the humans who have the religion. It's the it's the um, the aliens who have a religion. Yeah. But you can't just dismiss their religion as not being true or not being correct or not being right because we don't know what's going to happen at the end of time. In that case, they want to gather all the everyone living and like gather all their souls and then to have everyone uh, like or all the races of the universe or galaxies like uh, you know represented at the end of time you know a lot of this stuff is like what happens at the end of time or what happens when entropy starts going backwards or what happens when all these other kind of things happen in the new big bang like when we establish when there's when we establish the new universe from the death of this universe who decides what's going to happen or who you know all that kind of stuff yeah um 
and or who determines the truth you know that observer effect or something like that kind of thing yeah um so anyway i th- th- i don't really have much to say about it except that i find it really interesting that peter f hamilton obviously finds this really interesting and the main or the biggest kind of fundamental questions of like in the end of what science fiction is of what it means to be human is explored within the framework of what a religion is but not with human religions right now right so it's never like here is a book about what it's like to be a christian and it's also science fiction and as i say i grew up as a christian i grew up in a christian household and i read quite a few attempts of christians to write science fiction but oh in the end jesus or something like that you know like oh in the end it's sort of like set in the future but also um jesus is important to these people and maybe something happens is a miracle but it's like yeah yeah, but it was a good science fiction story about spaceships and then there's jesus as well yes yeah Uh, but then it's more like uh you know when we read pavan yeah that's that's also heavily influenced by like mm. and here's the difference yes. of what i want to say about that yeah this isn't hev- heavily influenced by you you have to get the cultural references to the biblical stuff yes, exactly it's more <laughs> relevant to human experiences and what does it mean to be a good person yeah. or what does it mean to be a good human or if something is true or if it's not true what are the correct things to do as a human to be a good human or what's good what's good for the human race to be a good you know species in you know in a world where there's lots of alien species like and that's literally what it's grappling with at the end of this book like not just sort of what it means to be a good human and why do some humans get stuck in the beyond and why do humans just pass through the beyond Mm. And why do some humans go into the light and why do humans not go into the light? Yeah, that was one of my questions because it's like easy to say, oh, you, you end up there because you're bad. No, but, no, but it like isn't, what, it isn't exactly, that. It isn't what, that. What, what but here's the thing, that, yeah. you need to read 140 hours. No, it's not 140 hours. What is it? It's 40 hours, another 40 hours, and another 48 hours. Yeah. So you need to read, a, you need to listen to 130 hours of audiobook. Yeah. So when these answers, I say answers, when these when these questions are being mulled on and when it really gets to down to it, sort of like, okay, what is the solution? Because it's this has happened, this reality dysfunction has happened to lots of other alien races in the past. Yeah. And they've all dealt with it in a different way. Okay. Like, how did this, how do these people deal with it? How do these people deal with it? I say people. How do these aliens deal with it? And there's aliens who have dealt with it and, and the humans are like, well, how did you deal with it? And the aliens are like, you have to discover it for yourself. We Ooh. can't give you Ooh. the answer. You have to discover it by yourself. Yeah. And so this entire, you know, the the second book and the third book, are pretty much humans going, well, we've got to deal with this. But while we're dealing with it, we also got to way, work out a way of... Of, of dealing uh, with the problem at hand. Oh, yeah. Not just yeah. solving the problem yes. of all these possessed uh, people taking over. There's Morton Ridge, which is like a peninsula. It's sort of like a big, you know, it's like a big like continent. Well, not continent. It's like a, you know, peninsula of a continent, which has got... And there's this big military action that starts happening in this second book where mm. it gets taken over. And they're like, all right, we're going to cordon it off. And now we're going to send in the troops. And they're like, all right, and there's troops. And it's this, you know, quagmire of a war, but literally a quagmire because... What's a quagmire? A quagmire is physically and there's figuratively and physically, a quagmire is like a swamp that you can get stuck in. Right. Okay. But in terms of militaries, it's like 
you know, getting stuck in the mud on the way to Moscow if you're Napoleon. Yeah. It's getting stuck on the Western Front if right. you're if you're Germany versus you know um, England and and you know the UK and France and getting stuck yeah. in a quagmire. Yeah. It's literally Russia getting bogged down in Ukraine. Yes. You know, yeah. it's a quagmire. Okay. And here. It's like the ultimate quagmire. It's because what happens is that to protect them, the the possessed can kind of make this shield of like these red clouds, and because this Morton Ridge, they've put the clouds and clouds and clouds and clouds to be really really thick, so nothing can get through. But it's all water, and when they're like, and then when they take down this cloud, all the water it just rains constantly yeah. for yeah. days and days and days until everything is washed away. All trees are washed away, all wa- all walls, all all roads, <laughs> yeah, everything. Earth, it's just yeah, nothing. It just, it's yeah. just nothing. Yes. So they're right. Okay, now we've got to trudge forty miles through mud. Oh, how are we going to do supply lines? Oh, how are we going to do this? So you know what I mean, like that yeah. kind of thing. And there is a, and that's got nothing. It's not specifically to do with religion, but it it kind of shows that ah, like not every war is an easy victory yeah and while there are some easy i wouldn't say easy some easier victories in this book there's many of these storylines where you're like wow this is really kind of like you know we're really stuck in here like we're 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 stuck here with this problem and we're trying to solve it meanwhile other people are having you know well some people are stuck in a quagmire other people are having fun space adventures and they're flying around in spaceships and trying to find you know a macguffin here and then go there and get get a thing there and get find the book and the book will lead you to the this thing and that thing you know i always find that what it always comes down to with humanity and i can only talk about humanity because that's what we are we're humans is that um it's so difficult to uh to like in comparison to alien species that are being portrayed portrayed in in books that can appear quite as like a unified alien species yeah humanity will always have different fractions and different different struggles and different like even if there would be like an, yeah. a unifying humanity wide problem hey let's all come together yeah. and talk about it and co- come up with a solution yeah that is not how humanity works they will have like yeah. they will rather start a war within like amongst other humans yeah that kind not... of does happen a bit here as well that also <laughs> yeah. happens on the other side like some yeah. of the like the possessed people are like we want to go this way and other people's like no we want to <laughs> go over there and that's the whole point of this yes. like once you set up all these characters yes. and they all have different things that they want and also yes. the aliens they actually go over yeah. and you say that like the aliens are often portrayed as monolithic they don't have they actually go over and meet these aliens and they're like hey wait a second you're not the aliens it's like oh no we're actually this other species Uh, of aliens that these other aliens did but we have their same language and stuff but actually they were stealing our technology but they're not going to mention us because they were the you know and you you, and you go all right so let's deal with you and they're like what are these people fighting over there like oh yeah that you you're dealing with me but they want to deal and there's like this whole war alien war going on when they go to another place and there's other and there's these other factions of aliens as well so here's the thing few authors put in the work to create a world where multiple different alien religions exist yes. and multiple different spe- like factions within the same species of a multi-species alien thing exist. And that becomes like a way of examining, like a, 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 obviously a source of complications and a source of drama, yes. but also just the, the world building is great. And again, you're just, you're just moving through it and it's like, 
and this and this and this. And very few authors have ever got to a point where I, I can kind of trust them implicitly that this has all been thought, thought through beforehand, because of course yeah. it has, because yeah. there's stuff happening halfway through the first book, yeah. which is showing up at the end of the third book. And you're yeah. like, ah, Peter yeah. Hamilton, very, very clever. Yeah, you, you, you can see that uh, like uh, an author doesn't just sit down and starts writing something, but they think through the different the, the different little clusters of yeah. things before they even start writing. Yeah, uh, I think in this book, weirdly enough, there are some signs where he's sort of like, oh, right, now I have to explain this bit away. Yeah. And he, not explained it away, but like explain why somebody did something earlier on or yeah. why, like who, this seems a bit, something is a bit convenient and then suddenly a character turns <laughs> up and like, I've been pulling the strings all the way through. And you're like, oh, actually, uh. they... We've we've literally had scenes with this person, but we didn't know their name, and yeah. now we know who they are. Yeah. You know, these, there's this shadowy, you know, Earth-based force, and there's Western Europe and North America and South Pacific, and all these are, like people who just have those titles. And you're like, who are these people? And they're like controlling people and taking people and like pulling strings behind. So one character thinks that she is deciding what to do, and you realize she's never deciding what to do. And as through, the, I mean, we already know that as 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 readers, but you know because we're getting some of these outward, you know, parts of, yeah. of her turning up and turning up on Earth. And you're like, all right, like she's not doing anything which isn't being watched by other people. Yes. Um, so I just want to say it's impossible to talk about the full breadth of this, but I find it really impressive that someone can like just 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 pull it off. Just yeah. do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like and, it's, and more, one... it's more impressive than a long-running fantasy series because there it's sort of like each book is impressive or each set of characters can be impressive, but there's never an end. Yeah. And this is this has a all of these series and all of these trilogies and all of these whatever that uh, Peter F. Hamilton and even the standalone novels, they're all properly self-contained. Right. There's nothing not thought through in them all the questions answered no not all the questions answered but if something is important and you as a reader has a question like it's kind of considered so there's many questions that aren't answered like oh but but what about this alien species how did they why did they do that um and there are a few things again in this whole trilogy which uh, not pacing wise but like internal logic you're like why did that happen at exactly the same time as that you know why did this person make this discovery and but then there is some because there is kind of this like uh outside influence kind of thing going on you're like oh right yeah he's his, his superpower is being not lucky, but having an intuition. So maybe he was intuiting something. Anyway, it's not entirely explained, all of these things. So there are some questions that remain. But I don't know. I just found this but they're, very they're like satisfying. More, they're like more conscious, open questions. Like you, you have the feeling that, okay, this is also a way of, of, uh, of leaving something with an open, yeah. with an open question. Maybe, maybe. But also some things uh, you just need to, like, it, it, a lot of it is like, you just don't, like in a book, even with this length, there's so much going on yeah. that you just can't cover everything. No, of course you know? not. Yeah. Um, so that is my first framing of this book. Talk okay. a few minutes about that. Um, I just wanted to know again, when are these books from? Like, are they recent? No, or? no, this is, these are all from, actually, I will now bring up Peter F. Hamilton's um, Wikipedia page. I know, it's so weird. 
I think Peter F. Hamilton's one of the great authors at the moment, or of the last 30 years. Yeah. His Wikipedia page is literally shorter than my Wikipedia page. Yes, that is true. I will now go over to um, Peter F. Hamilton bibliography. So this uh, was published 1996 to 1999. Okay. Uh, and there's some other short stories set in the same thing as well. Right. There's the, the Second Chance of Eden, yeah. which is a short story collection. When's that from? uh 1989 so yeah okay but does it feel like that does it feel like oh this is clearly like you can tell some you know some books have some clear uh root rooted in this kind of the time when they were written well here's the thing i think that maybe after 9-11 people wouldn't have written a book which is so focused on a religion right or so focused on this kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying, that it's not because you don't want to offend other people. It's like, it's kind of like, it's just difficult to do. Yeah. To make a religion or to, to talk about religion and talk about faith and talk about philosophy and goodness and all of these other things that this book is tackling. It's it's just difficult. You know what I mean? Right. It's much easier just to invent something out of like out of nowhere or do a fantasy story sort of like, oh yeah, it's based on this and we'll pretend the gods are real. And you're like, yeah, but you're not actually examining what it's like for to for someone to be in a world where gods are real. It's just a shortcut to giving someone superpowers. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, yeah. let's go on to my next point that I wanted to talk about. I mentioned it to just you on the couch a bit. Yeah. Which is um talking about these uh the, the the one of the dominant american forms or not forms what we're going to say like movements in science fiction which i which i've been referring to over the last few years as variously <laughs> yes. tor wave or squee core right. and i've been talking about this in in my in these reviews before they even had any labels or names so these labels aren't real labels or aren't real names People who write these books don't refer to themselves as this because, of course, you don't have to because if you're a no. dominant form uh, or a dominant you know, movement, you don't have to refer to yourself. No. But as a critic uh, and as a reviewer, this is, there's various things that come along with these with this dominant form of American science fiction of the last, say, 10 years or so. Yeah. Um, and we see this a lot in, you know, and I, I was just mentioning this uh, on uh, Geek Nights podcast. They're doing the new murder. The next series they're reading is the Murderbot series. Yes. And that's like perfect, you know, Tor Wave Squeak, or I think it's even published by Tor.com or whatever the, these first um, books were coming out as and stuff. So let me just bring up some notes here because I, oh, my notes on the wrong monitor. Um, so uh, I just want to say right away that analyzing a movement, even if I've got criticisms of it, doesn't mean that I dislike all of the books that are in this movement. It doesn't mean that I dislike all of the authors that are in this movement or yes. who you could put into this movement. Some of my favourite recent books fit perfectly into this. Yeah. You know, books, yeah, yeah. The few, some of the few books that I've ever given five stars to, things like The Light Brigade by Cameron Hurley and um, Nine Fox Gambit by Yoon Ha Lee. These are perfect examples. These could be perfect examples of this kind of writing and of this movement. Yeah. It's not... I'm not talking about quality. I'm talking about what's in the books, like the subjects that are talked about and what kind of things can be found in the fiction. Yeah. And then also the aesthetic markers of yeah, yeah. the fiction as yes. well. Yeah. Um, so to talk about this, I will bring up an email that I got uh, a few days ago, three days ago. It's by Gilbert Collins. 
He says, hello, Luke. I've not listened to your podcast in about a year, but I just listened to 520 this morning and enjoyed it. That was our lessons learned from reading science fiction. Yes. It was sort of like, instead of the interesting stuff that I say being hidden or being shielded by am I interested in a book or not yeah. it's more like I'm going to put this out there so even if you're not interested in a specific book that I'm talking about you can still get some of these nuggets of wisdom or things that I've learned or just observations that the I've meta made lessons. these little meta lessons yeah. a couple of comments made, got me thinking he, he asked if I'd read a book um, Fire in the Abyss He's saying, here's the thing. Um, I'd be interested to see what your thoughts are. The fifth book I ever reviewed was on the podcast book? was that yeah, book. Uh, nice. Back in 2008. Anyway, he says, your comment on when you read a book and how old you are when you read it rings true in my experience. Technically, I'm an old geezer. I was born in 1951. Thus, by your schedule, I was heavily influenced in the science fiction books that I read from about 16 years old. It's no accident that my favourite authors would be the ones from what I call the golden age of science fiction. So Arthur C. Clarke, Ray Bradbury, Heinlein are old favourites for me. As I get older, I find it much harder to enjoy many science fiction books that you and Juliana review on the programme. And I think this is a way into talking about this, is because a lot of these books, I think, are from a world where if you're born in 1951 and your view of science fiction... And when you say these books, you're talking about... Like this tall wave, squeak core kind current, of stuff. The, the current... The, the current yes. um, look at the Hugo and Nebula Award nomination list from yes. the last 10 years. Yeah, okay. That. Yeah. And I want to talk about this specifically. And again, I'm not going to put... I don't want to put Gilbert Collins in with what I'm about to say now. I'm just... Because I'm also going to put myself in there. But I want to be really, really careful about what I'm about to say here. Is that this new dominant form became dominant off the back of the Hugo Awards controversies around the sad puppies and right. the rabid puppies or whatever they are. Let's just talk about the sad puppies, which are these people who are like, hey, why can't why can't science fiction be like the old days? Right. And it's, again, I'm not putting myself in this then. I'm not putting Gilbert in here. I'm just saying that it's people who are like, hey, I remember when science fiction was very, like, was exactly like it was in the pulp magazines. It likely was in, in the short story collections and stuff. Yeah. Again, I'm not, uh, uh, this is people who are actually, and then it came off as the, the, the you know, the more right-wing fascist people like the rabid puppies who were saying, I think it's bad that there's, you know, black people or gay people or trans people in science fiction, okay. if you know what I mean. Yeah, so, when, when, and when was that? Like the... uh, let's say 2012 or whatever. Okay. So the Hugos, there's there some controversy about it. But after, since then, like it got to the point where like no no white male man had even been was even nominated for a Hugo Award for like five or six years in a row. Okay. Like, it's only been winning. It's only been women who have won Hugo Awards for like the last eight years or something in a, in a row now. Very, very few white men have even been nominated for Hugo Awards and only women win Hugo Awards yeah. now. I, 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 and I must say at that point, uh, it, it wouldn't even occur to somebody looking backwards, like saying like, oh, in in like the, the first 30 years of the Hugos, there's only been men. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. But but here's the thing. Of course, of course, the people who get into that. So so let me let's let's go all the way back. So the last male winner was i guess the three three body problem and then it's the fifth season obelisk eight stone sky so that's one author calculating stars memory called empire network effect desolation called peace so it's uh, uh you know going back to yeah so let's say from 20 2013 um was john scolzi so he's the last white 
male guy yeah. to do it because three body problem is a chinese book it's in translation before then Anne lecky you know you've got all, other people and then before that i think you've got like this previous era of science fiction people who could win which is sort of like joe walton and connie willis so they're sort of like older older writers working in a different kind of a different you know movement of science fiction or a yeah. different style of science fiction yeah um and when if you ask me what does this book does this book feel dated yeah i don't think it does but it doesn't feel like this modern dominant form of you know tor.com you know tor wave squeak or whatever you want to say it i'm using those two terms because one is more like somebody who are practicing would want to be associated with some of it yeah and then the derogatory term would be the people who don't want to be you know you of, of the elements which are present in a lot of these things but which uh, i see as deficiencies or right. like things that are like more negative about it yeah. so i don't want to use a derogatory term for this again some of my favorite books of the last 10 years have been part of this movement. This book is not, it's, it's like the opposite of that movement. Okay. In a way, this is, would be the perfect book for Gilbert. And again, I don't want to say. And if you say book, you mean the trilogy or just the, the this book? This trilogy. Yeah. If, if you can stomach 130 hours <laughs> or like, what would that be? Like 4,000 pages of science fiction. Like if you yeah. want a big epic science fiction space opera, and you wanted something which felt older, but I don't want to say feels older as in it's it's not dated. That's the thing. Yeah. Because some of the technology is like, why don't you just get your smartphone out? But, you know, he's even like presaging what it would be or like kind of glimpsing at what it would be like for everyone to be connected to the Internet right. or be, be connected at all times. Even if it's more like mind, like stuff implanted in your brain rather than devices that you carry around in your pocket. Yeah. There's actually some really good stuff for that, but certainly here in this third book, which, yeah. again, you can do if you're just as clever as Peter F. Hamilton and can just like go, what would society be like if everyone was X, you know? Yeah. And uh so prescient in some ways but here's the thing a lot of the things that you would find in this more dominant form of science fiction now peter hamilton's not interested in at all yeah and has never been and even with his new series and this is the reason and i know this is weird to say this is the reason why he doesn't get nominated even though i think the salvation trilogy is like all-time great science fiction it's really good yeah he would never be part of a of a Hugo or Nebula Award ballot like nomination process because it, 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 it what he is doing with his science fiction isn't what this now American dominant form. He's still very dominant in terms of like he's one of the best selling British science fiction authors yeah. ever, along with Alistair Reynolds and some of these other people. Like yeah. what he's doing is just like in a different movement. Is it off to the different side? Yes. And which may, which is kind of why I don't mind that the Nebula Awards is all people voting for each other. You know, all these authors slapping themselves on the back and, you know, everyone is sort of like, oh, you too made friends with someone that you paid $5,000 to be friends with at a Clarion workshop. And, you know, all this, all this <laughs> yeah. kind of like in-groupness. Yeah. Yes. Like you too. Oh, who gets to vote in the Hugo Award? It's someone who pays, what is it, like $500 to go to the to Worldcon. And then, of course, you've got to take a week off work to go to a science fiction convention. Yeah. And you probably got to spend a few thousand dollars or a thousand dollars, you know, like we do to go to the European juggling convention. Yeah, we're like in the in-group. It's, it's, yeah, there's an in-group. It's very easy to be part of the in-group of jugglers because juggling is actually quite cheap to be part of an in-group. You just, you know, 
tr- travel to Poland like we did last month. Uh, or no, this month. No, whenever Just, it was. Yeah, yeah uh, the beginning of the month. Beginning of the month. Yes. And anybody like uh, become can become the friend of a famous juggler if you just you know <laughs> hang out in the gym just hang out in the gym and put the work in and be a good juggler yourself if you know what i mean and the, and the, there's like this limiting factor of who who gets into the in group who gets the, the the right people to blurb their books and the right people to go to their workshops and the right people to vote for them at the right conventions and the right panels that you go on and the people who follow you on twitter and retweet and stuff and then you look at these british science fiction authors over there and like Peter Hamilton's not on Twitter, you know. Alistair Reynolds, you know, they they have like b- blogs, you know. They're they're like just they're just not involved like yeah. that in that kind of stuff. Yeah. And their writing reflects that they that they don't need to be part of the, yeah. the the American science fiction dominant science fiction fantasy movement at the moment because they're good enough at writing that they can find an audience that can exist outside of the world where anybody needs to be giving them awards yeah because you don't need it to give them awards because their work is it just works in the in the way that you want it to what's up uh, are you going to look something up on your phone yes um so I I totally agree and I think the way that their use of language and i'm not saying like the british language or yeah. like whatever <laughs> i'm saying the way they use words yeah and what words yeah like and now i'm now i'm, I'm fine finally including like the yeah. whole time i'm thinking about adrian tchaikovsky in my head adrian tchaikovsky is following along <laughs> with he's he's much more even though he he will get you know he's he's young enough and in enough that he will get nods from you know hugo's and nebulas yeah just because he's of the right generation because he's not an old guy anymore he's like a younger guy adrian tchaikovsky is very much in the vein of ian m banks peter F. hamilton alistair reynolds and that's why mm-hmm. i'm really enjoying adrian tchaikovsky now because he is following yes. along with that kind of that he's not in the the same school or the, in the same school group or you know he's he's in this different area exactly but he's still following along in these footsteps and and now the footsteps of, of peter, of peter hamilton. hamilton yeah yeah like i just looked up adrian zarkovsky is now 40, yeah. 55 uh 51 51 yeah. years old and uh, this kind of like trilogy that 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 you just read um yeah. hold us peter hamilton now He's 1960. So yeah, he's. A, it says age to the right. It says born and oh, he, 63. Yeah, so 62, um, 63. He says all of my mum. Yeah, <laughs> and my dad. Um, and uh, so um, the 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 way that this this kind of like world building works, and also the the approach of uh, different different uh, aliens, different uh, factions, different yeah. humans, different religions, different whatever things yeah um here this is i think like one of the the pinnacles of uh, this kind of exploration of peter for hamilton going like three massive books full of stuff yeah and and adrian tarkovsky is kind of following on to that but not with this like 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 let's say how many different things are like 20 different themes and aliens and things let me let me go through some of these points about what what this tall wave squeak or this like American dominant form of science fiction and I'll explain how, what uh, 
I don't want to get talk too much about Adrian Tchaikovsky because I think he, because he's, you know, he's a bit different. So let's keep this focused on Peter Hamilton <clears throat> and what he was doing. And also, and again, I don't want to say that Peter Hamilton's the perfect person for the, the sad puppies or whatever, but it is like the, he is kind of an antidote to, or like an, not an opposite example, but if you're not finding what you want from this modern form of science fiction, which isn't to say any of these things are bad. It's just that some people want something slightly different. Yeah. Um, let's go through some of these ones. So tall wave. So if the, some of the positive aspects, which is that the new wave innovations, and I, I looked at some other people's lists here, so I can't remember which ones of these are my notes and other you know notes from other places. But the innovations of like the 1960s science fiction of the new wave are kind of taken for granted, which is um, science fiction fantasy as a tool for exploring interiority. Um, the foregrounding of different cultural perspectives and stylistic experimentation. So in, in, interiority is much more like what's going on inside your soul and what's going on as a person, you know, your anguish and your whatever, you know, the, you know, you can read these books and it's all about, oh, but what am I doing as a person? Like the internal and monologue. The internal monologues and all that kind of stuff. This Night's John trilogy, none of that. Characters are doing shit. They are going to places. They want stuff. They have motivations and they're clearly set out. And people say, oh, the, the character's a bit one-dimensional. It's like, no, it's not that they're one-dimensional. It's that they're just doing shit. They've got, they've got shit to do. Hmm. You know what I mean? And so there is some interiority. There is some about like, oh, what this... And there are characters that kind of represent that in this book who right. are like, oh, I've got a longing for this and I don't know what to do about this and this other person. And one of them is like a spaceship and one of them is a human and they're like, why can't we get along? And there is all this kind of, you know, all the stuff that's right there in the murder bot where you're like, oh no, but what does it mean to be human? Or what does yeah. it mean? To all of that kind of stuff is, is it, in the end, it's secondary to plot, but plot becomes character and character is, you know, people getting shit done yeah. and going in a direction is like not the opposite of new wave innovations, but it's like... Um, I don't know. It's like, I don't know how to say about that, but it's much more, it's much more straightforward in yes, a way. I understand. In that way. Also, stylistic experimentation, none of that in this book. It's a story which goes A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Of course, you, it's wide ranging, but there's not like, oh, but what if suddenly this part is told from the point of view of some letters being passed back? No, nothing like that. Um, here's another one. Diversity as an underlying assumption, which is great. And this is one of the things that the, like the sad puppies, more the rabid puppies were against, sort of like, oh, I don't want gay people in my fiction i want you know tall white men no women allowed doing this kind of stuff you know so again it's that's not what this book is at all in fact there is lots of diversity in this book but it's kind of very much 1990s diversity right um rather than 2023 diversity yeah which isn't to mean that it's not diverse it just means that it it's much more of a like oh and this character will be black and this Space civilization over here will be descended from some African nations, so they're all they've all got Kenyan names or whatever, and they're just as important as the white people or whatever. But it's it uh, some of it, it some of it feels to be very much sort of like the um, Denzel Washington in the nineties, where he would just be a character in a movie, and we're like, look, equality, we've got a black guy being a cop over here or whatever, whatever you know, whatever it is. But it's sort of like, mm, yeah, but that's not actually addressing. So it's like this kind of surf, surf a bit more surface level diversity, yeah, rather than diversity being the point of the book where now you can't have a tall wave squeak or book without one of the main characters being uh either 
uh, lesbian or having different um you know pronouns or being yeah. gender indeterminate you know you, yeah. you just don't, you're not even you don't even get you don't even get a hugo nomination unless there is at least one non-gender binary person in your book anymore yeah. And this book just isn't about that because it's about people doing shit. It's about people getting on with shit, if you know what I mean. Right. Um, uh, a, a massive... But, I mean, that, does, that is not particularly... Uh, exclusionary. No, like, no, it's not. Ex- it's I just not want exclusionary. to make sure that I'm like, just saying that right. this book isn't about what it's like to be. Uh, it's, oh, it has other things. It's got it other things. With. It's got. It's it's very much to be. It's very much sort of like what would it be like to be a woman who was brought up in a in a place where women were only as only classed as housewives and you know people to be <laughs> you know married off to whoever's on the next estate over and stuff. Yeah. And what's it like for a woman to come out with that and become sexually liberated and decide what to do with her own sexuality and where she needs to take her life. So it's it's not like it, it, it but it's it's not, it's taking things, again, this is from, because it's British, it's not going, oh, what's it like to be here and what's it like to be there? It's much more like, uh, imagine what it was like to be in the Elizabethan times right. or whatever, yeah. you know, or the Victorian times and a woman, because there's literally a planet called Norfolk and it's, uh, you know, there's <laughs> no technology there and it's everyone lives on, you know, in villages and estates and there's steam trains or whatever. <laughs> and he, he, because it's science fiction, he can just play with that and be like oh over here i'm gonna have this other kind of stuff um also uh fanfic and romance influences in in science in this tall wave none of that here at all it's none of all of this is original it doesn't feel like you're reading someone who's grown up reading fanfic of other science of other science fiction okay uh, or romance novels. Um, well, that what you just said with the somebody lives on an estate and then they the next they get married to the next estate. That yeah. reminds me a little bit of the uh, uh, of the book we um, of the the, the uh, Isaac Asimov uh, short story that uh, you know with yeah. the, where we have these. Yeah, it's a totally uh, a totally different kind. Totally different okay. Kind of. okay. It's, that that's uh, what I'm saying is that. If you like, this book is longer. This series is longer than all of Isaac Asimov's novels oh, yeah, combined. Yeah, no, just, Maybe not, but, but it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. But, it, 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 what but, I'm saying is that there's so much in this book that if you want to find any of this stuff, you, you can find, find it some, in there. Yeah, That's okay. the whole point: is that yeah. nothing is excluded. And I mean, I'd go through more of these as well, like Squeak or Squee is an enthusiastic response to recognition of an easy triumphant moment. There are some of those in this book, but that's not what it's about. And I'll get onto why not in a minute. Um, Squeako, uh, this also had the screen aesthetic. So it's almost like, imagine watching this on TV. Are you imagining that? Great. And then this happens and that happens. And wouldn't it be cool if this happens? And also there's in a lot of these books, there's a lot of vagueness of details to the point where like people, I made a note in the previous podcast, people eat food. They don't eat ingredients of yes. food. Yes. Like the world building is reduced down to, ah, okay, you work out in your own head to the point where there's been many, Many previous books where I've got to the end of the book and been like, oh, I guess this was based on this other culture on Earth. But because they only use the proper nouns and some, you know, some words that sounded like something from Inca society. Uh, uh, but that's enough. So if I'd have thought, oh, keep in mind that all of this is happening with all the signs around and all the decorations looking like you know, something from Peru. Got right. that? Great. Now here's the story. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's, but it's all very vague. This is, this is the opposite of that. Everything that needs to be described is described. The cultures, the food, it's all there. Of course you can do that because it's 130 hours you worth of audio book. You got all the book, but all of that also comes into, becomes plot, becomes background. You know, it, it, it all has function. Yeah. 
the richness of how well something is written and how well something is described allows you as the reader to work out cultural differences and and like other differences which isn't there if you're like oh imagine this but with yeah native american stuff let's go and you're like ah oh, you can't just say imagine this person yeah uh, uh, the, um an undue influence of uh, uh Here's another point. An undue influence of from the young adult genre, even outside of these works identified as young adult. So you read a book, and this is what happened. I was looking on the Geek Nights forum. People were going, what about this book here? Is this, is this? I was like, if it feels like a character is a, too young for their age, it's probably Torwave Squeakor because they're, it's, it's all grounded in people who grew up reading Harry Potter and people who grew up reading all these young adult fiction. And they think that's what it's like to be a fictional character. Yeah. But they're all based on people who are too young. You know, so all of these characters are blank, a plain or blank canvas protagonists, also dumber than expected. And there's a bluntness of storytelling where everything happens on the page and nothing happens like off screen. You yeah. know what I mean? Like here is what's happening. Here is what's happening. Here is no, you can't like skip through in time. And that's what we had in the in the Murderbot series where you're like, and now this person is going to recover on a spaceship for, and it's going to take them a month and a half to recover. So now the next three hours of this book is this character being is going to be recovering. For, and you're like, no. What I liked about the short stories of the Murderbot series is that when Murderbot was recovering at the end of the adventure, we could just skip forward to the next adventure, you know? Yeah. Um, specifically self-aware form of deconstructive discourse. In other words, uh, this is a book and this is a book about a book. And d can you see me doing a reference here? And now, you know, all of that stuff that these people, which leads to like heavy pop culture references from now, from like other books, from television now. Yeah. Um, unlike other books which are like they put in pop culture references but they're not they're like classical they're references to classical literature and and more universal stuff than just american television from the 1980s and 90s yeah um wish fulfillment a bit of that's in this book um Oh, the pop culture references. There are that in this. There, there, there is that stuff in this book. But it's sort of like when a famous person turns up. It's not literally a character from a sitcom in America. It's Al Capone, and you're like, oh, Al Capone, you know. And other characters turn up because you can bring dead people back from, right. you know, people back from the beyond, yeah. and you can use real historical characters. And those people who come back are interesting historical characters where they're actually real. They're not like literally a character from a television show which is what they do oh, what oh, okay so no i i needed to just get this straight yeah. in my head so in the trilogy in the, in the night storm trilogy when it goes right what about this famous person from history yes he can either have an invented one which is from like the 21st century to the 26th century which is yeah. like the time of this book when lots of people interesting characters do come <laughs> back from that time but when he's sort of like okay how about a historical character bringing back Al Capone? So Al, Cap Al Capone can run a space civilization as a gangster organization. Right. Right. Great stuff there. Fun stuff there without a single reference to any movie about Al Capone or any appearance of Al Capone in The Simpsons. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas the Torwave Squeegore people will literally just quote The Simpsons. And yes. you're like, no, but The Simpsons, the whole thing about The Simpsons didn't come up with it. The Simpsons is also quoting something. Yeah. It's sort of like it's working on the base layer rather than the pop culture layer yeah. of actually what exists in the world. Okay, yes. Whereas you get a book which is like, um, 
I am Legion, I am Bob or whatever, where literally somebody goes, I want to be a Star Trek character. Yeah. So I'm going to, because I've duplicated my mind, I'm going to call these different aspects of my personalities. Literally, this is going to be, you know, Commander, uh, whoever it is from Star Uhura. Trek. You know, Uhura. <laughs> no, no, because that's female, so that's not allowed. So oh, it'd be oh, like okay. um, Riker. So this is going to be Riker and this is going to be, and, it li- and it's all, a lot of this is literally about consuming popular culture. Yeah. And in this book, there are popular culture icons, but they're like, like, you know, pop stars from the future, like like real stuff. So I don't know. Okay, I just want to know What's how that? long is this list going to be of those uh, Well, let's skip through, but I just want to say that like one of the main things is of all this stuff, I'll just quickly th- stuff, which is sort of like an idea, uh, ideology derived from progressive bourgeois liberalism. So everything is very gentrified. Everything is very American. Uh, you all, uh, here's a good note. You already agree with the politics of the author. You don't need to think about the tol- politics. You just need to go squee. And that's what a lot of this, you know, that is and so much of this but let me put it this way so much of this is so satisfying to read because i don't have to agree with the politics of peter f hamilton yeah i don't need to worry about that because everything just because something is portrayed doesn't mean it's thumbs up to it yeah you know what i mean yeah and so much stuff is sort of like it's only worth betraying if you're going to give thumbs up to it or if the main characters are going to be like yes good yes good and you as the reader can go yes good you know the thing i was talking about comfy science fiction where you're never challenged by anything yeah you know but it's not it's not like getting to the to the edge of that which is the opposite uh of like when when you stopped reading miles vokosigan yeah but you yeah. know that, that you know that is getting to like that like the 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 this book that you read at that point yeah. like it, it's sure it's it's also not portraying comfortable things but yeah. that's like kind of like yeah, but that's that's opposite. pre that's pre tour wave squeak yeah, well, yeah, like yeah. that but it the, peter F. hamilton is not like going in that direction it's no. not like it like it is portraying maybe horrible things maybe horror or maybe even yeah like, okay Here's the thing. Let's bring it back because this was an example I I read once about this kind of stuff where someone says, oh, you know, comfortable. What's uncomfortable? Uh, Breaking Bad is uncomfortable. And people are like, oh, that's bad, you know, because it's about a bad, you know, that's bad. It's like, no, it's not. It's about a bad person becoming bad and being a bad person. And it's a satire on how bad the American healthcare service is, is that instead of being (laughs) able to just get cancer treatment, he has to become like a a drug dealing gangster gangster murderer person to be able to afford healthcare you know it's very it's clever so all of the stuff which is normally sell what you want to be celebrated and i'm fine about celebrating this series this book series to bring it down to it is that what i like about this and this is my main point is that the politics it's not just the same politics which i find which all of these tall wave squeakor people, because they're Americans and they're just existing within this, oh, liberal America, we're the correct ones, aren't we? Yes, we're correct. You already agree with my politics. Of course you do, because you voted for Obama back then, didn't you? Yes. Okay, so we're all just, you know, all of the stuff which the, the, the American, like, liberal left, you know, middle class liberal left believe, in the rest of the world... We don't see that as harmless, great stuff that we already agree with and put our thumbs up to and go, yay, you go, you win in the end. 
I don't. It's really dis- I find it very depressing when at the end of all of these books, the main character gets their superpowers and now they're the special ones who are in charge. Mm. And they defeat a corporation to get there because the corporations are the bad guys. Right. But the corporations being the bad guys is meaningless when the person who gets their powers at the end just replaces them within the existing power structure. Yeah. Why do people, why do I care about these young adult seeming people who get magical powers or science fictional powers throughout the course of the book? And then at the end, they're the most powerful people in the story and they use their most powerful people. And it's probably, they probably got their powers by believing in themselves or whatever always happens in these books now. Like what makes them the people who I want to have that power and exercise that power by the end of the book? Nothing. I don't like it. I don't like power structures where to, the winner gets the power of the previous oppressor and yeah. uses it to solve their own interior personal problems. Yeah. And maybe defeat it's an evil a, corporation. It's just a power shift. It's just, like, a, it's just a shift of power. Yeah. And I'll just skip down to this. Like, and where, th- this, okay. this yeah. book now, I'm skipping down to the end of my notes here. This, this is for the previous book's notes. So I'm just skipping right down to the end of these notes. In this in this series, this book is about the exercise of power because it's about politics and religion and all yeah. that other kind of stuff. But what it comes down to, and people might say this is a negative about the book, is that there's like a deus ex machina in the book, a okay. machine of the gods. Because of course there is. It's because the whole book is about gods and mm. religions and saviour and salvation and like eternity and going through to the light. So when you get to the end of it, like the last book is literally <laughs> called The Naked God. So yeah. when a god turns up, you can't say, uh, it's disappointing, it's a deus ex machina. It's like, there was always going to be a deus ex machina the Deus Ex Machina was set up in the first book. I mean, it's in the we, title. We know, like, the title of the third book is the title of the Deus Ex Machina. So you can't then complain about a Deus Ex Machina turning up, a literal machine of the gods, which the characters in the book call a god machine, and the alien species who found it previously called it a god machine. Hmm. And they're like, and the people in the book are like, oh, it's a god. And they're like, no, no, it's not a god. It's a god machine. Like, the again, this is maybe the most you know, sort of self-referential part of the book yeah. is where people are discussing what a deus ex machina is, or not, but not using the fictional term for it, but saying, oh, no, no, it's a machine. It's a god machine. It's not a god. It's a god machine. Okay, so we're going to have something that's so powerful. It's as powerful as a god, is it? Great. Okay. There's literally a conversation at the end of the book. Who gets to decide what the... Because I told you before, there's all these different solutions that different aliens... Hmm. Who gets to decide what humanity's solution is going to be to yeah. this? Yeah. And this is me getting to the core uh, the core of what this novel is about. This novel is an exploration of who gets... Who should get to decide. Like, who does it? And of course, it's Joshua Calvert who had sex adventures in the first book. <laughs> but he spent like 130 hours of audiobook growing as a person yeah he's no longer just involved with his penis like other things are happening in his life except his penis adventures mm. like he's he's got a crew he's becoming a leader he's lost people who are close to him he's loved people and lost those people he's he's killed people and he's had power of life over and death over people like who do i save who do i not save you yeah. know all of these all of the things which you want superheroes to like experience like all of these questions that you want 
a superhero to grapple with before they get their powers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, unlike Miles Vakorzigan. Yeah, unlike Miles, unlike <laughs> all of these other people where yeah. it's unexamined, sort of like, you get powers, great, whee! What are you going to do? And I'm thinking about the, um, the, uh, the, the, the Rebecca Roanhorse, I can't remember the title of it, sort of like, oh, and you're going to use your powers to kill everyone on a boat and, ex- and, uh, and escape with the, you know, the, 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 the goth guy that you've got hots for. <laughs> sort of like, oh, you've got literally the powers of the gods and you're going to use that to checks notes kill all the working class people around you who are afraid of you because they're afraid that you've got the power to checks notes kill all of them all around you like this like totally unexamined and i'm like and this is what we're meant to be cheering for i don't yeah. understand like yes. that's what we're meant to go wee you go girl and i'm like no don't kill all of the innocent working class people around you you know what i mean like, yeah yeah and so and also the rest of the book which isn't about joshua calvert growing as a person is about the people who don't get to use the power in yeah. the end okay. we get to see the politicians who are trying to like look out for themselves and trying to win elections okay okay they're not we we through their stories the gangsters not those either mm. the the business people you know uh you know the you know the elon musks or whatever it's going to be um the generals, like the military people, they're fucking up left and right and they're having the same conversations. I'm like, no, but if we have this, it's too powerful and I'm not going to use that. And literally some people are saying, I can't like this weapon because they develop a weapon. They're sort of like, that's too powerful. We can't use that. And other people are like, but you're the Navy. You should be using the powerful weapons. And all the whole of the rest of the book is seeing other people like dis- realize that they're not the ones that should be taking the power in the end. And of course it is like, Again, weirdly enough, the white guy who's the young guy who's the hero or whatever. And it's great because he is the most heroic person. He's the cleverest. But he's known now as like the be- the reason why they sent him is because he's the best, you know. And the team that they sent with him is, is the best team, if you know yeah. what I mean. But he-, he doesn't have the superpowers until, like you say, the deus ex machina. And then after he solves the problem, he gives up the power yeah. and goes to live on a farm and works for women's rights. Oh, that's and cute. You just sort of like, yeah. I've there is no book, yeah, in that I've read from any American tour wave squeaker author who any of their books that I've I've ever read now who's someone who's got who's spent you know 130 hours of audiobooks or three series not having the superpower, getting the superpower, yeah, and then giving it up once they've solved the problem. Oh, that's so good. And you're just like <laughs> that is what I, and again, giving away some of the book here, but that's what I want politically from a book. I want someone to go, ah, let's solve the problem. And now I'm stepping back and I'm no longer going to be a a god, a a princess, a a prime minister. Like at the end of all these books, everyone gets titles or the book is literally about people who want to be emperors and they solve a problem and they're like, and now onwards. And you're like, onwards to what? You solve the problem. It's like, and now to be a good person and book two and three come out and you're like, you can't just have books about the most powerful people in the story doing powerful stuff to each other. Yeah. Like, because it's, that's not, I don't know. It's one of those things that always, it grates at me every time. And this book is about, and it's so refreshing. It's a book about who gets to wield the power and what that responsibility means to them. And all of this stuff, and I made, and I copied some notes here, just the, the last few bits and pieces from this squeak or tour wave stuff, which it's not what it is, but it's what it isn't or what isn't allowed in these books. And what isn't allowed 
if you if you want to get a Hugo or a Nebula award, you're not allowed hopelessness and tragedy at the end of your book. You're not allowed books about losers and fuck-ups and failures and freaks. You're not allowed unhappy endings and disappointment. And you're not allowed waste and relapse and pointlessness. In fact, there's a huge swathe of human experience which is missing from you know this modern american form of science fiction because you can't have someone who is just useless because you'd be like why are you spending time with this person and this book does really clever stuff with people who are just shit who are just wasters who you go wow that's really your life is really sad and like also i can kind of see myself in there and there by the grace of god don't go don't go i or whatever if you know what i mean yeah and you're like it's so great to have a book, and because this is such a this you know these this trilogy, this Night's Dawn trilogy is so big, you can just spend quite a lot of time with people who are wasters and useless, and those people can contribute to the solution. All those people are saved. All those people, some of them, like, and you never get this in the tall wave squeak or people going through something and just come out the other end and just go, look, I just want to be put in cold sleep and sleep for the rest of eternity because I can't face life. And you're like, oh, you were one of the main characters in the first book. You're like, yeah, but I've got massive post-traumatic stress disorder and I can't cope with it. And they... And they just disappear from the story. You're like, wait, she was like one of the main characters. In the first, she was meant to be really great. And so I'm like, oh, no, she couldn't cope with it. She just went and lived in a hotel room and lost her job because she couldn't cope with facing all of this. Yeah. And you're like, isn't that so refreshing that people can just be fucked up and not have a happy ending? Yeah. And other people can be so fucked up that you're like, oh, you're never going to survive this. And at the end, you're like, it's probably better that you die at the end rather than go on in the fucked up state that, you, that you're that you in. Yeah. And what you tried to do and the main thing that you were trying, striving through this entire trilogy to get, you fail at the end and yeah. you kill yourself. That happens in this book. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's great to spend time with hopelessness and tragedy and fuck-ups and losers and failures and freaks and unhappy endings and disappointments and waste and pointlessness. Yeah. I mean, there's also the triumphant stuff in this book as well, but it's not triumphantness or else. It's not like the good guys win and everyone gets a title and there's no, there's no other human suffering anywhere asterisks only in our main characters ignore all the working class people that these characters damaged along the way to their, to their superpower godhood royal titles that they all earn by the end of the book yeah you know it feels to me like especially that last bit Mm. um and i haven't contributed for i don't know how many minutes now oh sorry um uh that you know in the german constitution that they came up with after the Mm -hmm. war the first article in the so-called grundgesetz is the human dignity is untouchable right and i think um in some authors and some books are including a judgment on what what people and what kind of people are not untouchable. They are just the, you know, side things and they do yeah. something bad. And that's why, okay, you're allowed to just, yeah, use your uh, godlike weapon and just kill them off because yeah. they don't quite behave the way that you think they should or yeah. shouldn't. Um, and so th- I always think that authors who do put themselves up to then make a judgment on what what these people where these people should end up yeah and what we should think as readers as oh they were 
a successful or not successful yeah. or uh, you know yeah it's one of those things where like oh fat ugly people don't get to succeed yeah. and beautiful young people do get to succeed yeah that kind of body fascist stuff yeah um yeah it's it's present in a lot of this in, in, a, in a in a lot of this yeah like the or put it this way the blindness to that yes that they think oh but we have a a character from X, um, you know, minority group as yes, a main exactly. character. It's sort of like, yeah, but they could have been swapped out, or you know, if, if yeah. it could be about their interiority. But yeah, sort of like, but that's what I'm saying. The the politics of these these other books yeah. is so, like I say, so middle middle class yeah. or upper middle but, class but bourgeois think, liberalism, like centrist American. But but because they they do think that they are on the they are the goodies. Yeah, yeah of course. That's what I'm saying. It's they, they unexamined. Yeah, like it's the unexamined. ambiguities yes. of the position yes. or the yes. anything is is either unexamined sort of like um or there's kind of like an explicit denial of the ambiguity of yeah. like, oh evil corporation X, oh you defeat them. If you defeat the evil corporation you're the good guy. Great. Yeah. It's it's that level. Yeah. You defeat the evil corporation equals you good. Yes. Meanwhile, <laughs> in in the Night's Dawn trilogy, there are corporations and there are evil corporate or whatever you want to say. That, that kind of stuff does exist. But it's kind of like off to the side. You're like, yeah, yeah, but we're like other problems. Humanity is bigger than that. Yeah. And in the end, the quality or the, the, the content of your soul, what is it? Sort of like the, the, the contents of your character is more important than that. Yeah. And the characters in this book are great. Yeah. Um, I just... Yeah, let's. I, you said this. You wanted this to be a shorter podcast, and I think I went on a bit too long here. But I guess this co comes down to the core of again. It's maybe like why I like British Ameri British science fiction rather than American science fiction. But like, if you're wanting a book which isn't which isn't what the I mean, it's not what the sad puppies wanted or the, you know, I'm not talking, I don't want to, that's why I wanted to like frame it in this way. I'm not saying, hey, I, I hate, you know, modern science fiction or I hate it. It's sort of like, if you want, if, if the tall wave squeak or like the, like all of the um, Hugo Award nominees for the last 10 years, if you read, if you're reading through all of that and, and like, um, and like Gilbert who sent me an email, you're just like not finding what you want there. Try some Peter F. Hamilton. Yeah, and I think even even Peter Hamilton from twenty years ago, yeah, twenty five years ago, this book is from. But what I think it comes down to is always, like, challenge yourself with reading other things because then you you only then notice what you like about the other thing. Yeah, and that's what uh, I'm saying. So it's, what I was finding in this yeah, book, exactly. I was like, oh, yeah. all of the disappointment yeah. that I've had, yeah. not with all of it, but yeah. like. Fuck, why do I have to read another murder book? Why do I have to read another this book? Yeah. Why do I have to read another that? And I'm just looking at it and I'm, I'm feeling no enthusiasm yeah. for any of these American yeah. authors at the moment. I'm like, oh, I know what I'm missing. All of this stuff. Yeah. Like all of this stuff, which isn't, you know, a bland character, like author insert wish fulfillment character who's yeah. like mildly young adult who's all chased and doesn't want to kiss anyone yes. for like an entire book. And you're like, oh, fucking hell, just, but I do just think, fuck each other. But I do think it's important yeah. to also keep reading the current stuff. Like you can't then like by finding, oh, I, I don't think like the the current science fiction or the current American science fiction or what we have at the, on the market, the big stuff. Um, no, no, we, you, we have plenty of this stuff no, as well. No, no. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is uh, don't just not read that because you, you think like, oh, I'm just going to miss out on all this. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. 
for me, it's always, and this is coming down back to my life experiences from literally you are in school i'm in a certain type of school i was i one year i was in that school then i went to something else yeah and i get to then experience yeah. the what yeah, what the both you sides. both yeah. sides and yeah. what you what you missed out on the other and what also is the good thing on the other and but when you are immediately in that group or in this experience yeah you can't see that from the outside because you're in it and then you're only experiencing yeah. everything from the inside so i think by reading current other books that are coming out at the moment yeah you are examining things more from the outside and yeah. you, you get a better understanding or of, from the past like i say what yeah. was in what was there in the past yeah which isn't there now exactly and what yeah again i'm not so saying it's like, sad I'm, pup I'm is saying, at a point i'm saying that's not what i'm saying is that like the what's what's being held up like i say here 2023 uh, uh hugo nominations i'm just gonna go up one book tour books so uh, how many are there? Six of them. Tor Books, Tor Books, Tor.com, Tor Books, Tor Books, Delray Books. So yeah. you've got five books from the same publisher there, yeah. which is an American publisher. And, you, and you're like, okay, that's not a representation of what science fiction is right now. No, that's a very... There's, because of the because of the reaction against the sad puppies yeah. um, and w what the, you know, what since like 2012 onwards has, has come on or 2014 onwards. It swung onwards. in the opposite direction. Yeah, it swung so far in the opposite direction yeah. that there there's, there's lots of representation in the books of minorities. Yeah. But there is no, there is no representation in these books of the breadth of current science fiction. Yes. And that's what I'm saying. There's yeah. now this gatekeeping function yeah. around the American Science Fiction Awards, which means that sci like Peter F. Hamilton and, you know, even Adrian Tchaikovsky is not on this list at all. They fall out because they're too white and male yeah. and also British, so not even interested in being part of the scene, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. So, again, it's not to say that it's bad that there's a lot more representation in science fiction at yeah. the moment and with these awards. And, I'm, and I don't want to give any support to any number of puppies, sad or rabid or anything like that. Yeah. I'm just saying that as a critic and as a reviewer, it's... It's, you know, like I said before, it's kind of unsatisfying now to listen to the Incomparable podcast because it's lots of people being kind of mostly unsatisfied about the books that they've got to read for the Hugo Nebula Awards. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this is unsatisfying. It's like, why is the air being sucked out of the room that we have to talk about this series of books, which are from the same, you know, group of of literally a dozen authors yeah. every year their books are just being it's like such a small group which is which has done this like capture of the hugo awards <laughs> at the moment yeah. and it's very difficult for anyone else to break in there because literally to break in there to, to vote for it you've got to go to a an american science fiction convention yes and pay or you you can vote and you can get a voting membership so you can just if you pay enough money you can just vote differently yeah. and that's what everyone did to get rid of the sad uh, the sad puppies and the rabid puppies but it's now swung in the other way yes. in the other way that anybody who doesn't find exactly what they're looking for yeah. in tall wave squeak or like mildly you know, uh, young adult fiction, the vibe of young adult fiction. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing here for you anymore. Yeah. And I, I want to just put one more thought out there, yeah. which I had uh, all the, quite some time now during this, this, uh, this episode, is that I am very much, like, I see a lot of 
like generational stuff that's happening yeah. and you know generation z and millennials and gen x and all these kind of things and there is like quite a big truth to my own being yeah. to to being having been born in the 1980 and 1985 yeah uh but i would heavily i'm such a millennial in so yeah. many ways of that when i grew up i was kind of like the first generation that had uh parents that were open for you don't have to yeah. do you don't have to become uh, the safe job person yeah, yeah, and yeah. you can do whatever you want to pursue in your life and because <laughs> i'm in the first generation of that i struggle yeah. so so much i have so many like of these dichotomies of thinking so much about things yeah and there's like this whole world is open for you does that help you yeah it doesn't because it's too much to decide and then i'm keeping myself finding in this like oh should i do this or should i do that yeah. and there's this yeah, bad yeah, and I there's know. this good and there's like com you, continuously you, you, you feel yourself becoming the stereotype I, no 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 i i'm i'm not becoming the stereotype i am in many many ways the stereotype yeah and so for me being like that reading these tour yeah. wave squeakor books yeah satisfies a lot of things in me because it it targets all these kind of insecurities <laughs> and like this whole like yeah, mental like interior. not stable I, and I, I just I just clicked on just as an example of one of the the books here I was yeah. like oh um Tamsin Muir let's see she's literally born 14th of March she's two weeks older than you yes. so when you say this fiction is for you yeah it this, is it is so it's much literally this yes. was written by somebody who was born 14 days before you exactly and there will be Sorry, overlapping 16 days before overlapping you. things that like oh, i don't know she was not born in east germany at the time when i was born but there is that there is going to be but because of the different generations that came before us and that we that that were our grandfather grandparents and were our parents there is similarity stuff yeah. and lots of these current science fiction books speak to me yeah. because of that yeah, yeah, of course. but what i think is so important and this is what i want to encourage the 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 the, the, the listener who yeah. sent this email is that even though we do feel comfortable in certain things and i i do read these books and i yeah. like them and i'm unapologetically liking some of these books yeah but at the same time i'm also reading the the stuff from the 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 seventies and the sixties yeah. and the nineties and because I think all of these different approaches, different authors, different places where they're from, they all bring other things to the table. Yeah, and I find it very important to then not exclude something because yeah, you know I think ah uh, I generally don't like this kind of era or this kind of book or whatever. So um, I would encourage. Uh, anyone to to keep finding something yeah. that m you might even like like you said not all of these books no, 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 are, no, no. Like, yeah. you, you also like some of them some of them but some again yes i that's what i didn't want to say is that i didn't want to give a quality judgment no, 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 to I'm these not... i was talking about no, sorry I, I didn't want to give a you know like a i, I was talking about the qualities mm. not the overall uh, value or how much I enjoy them, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah. Like even some of these books where I, I, like I say, disagree a lot with the politics and the outcomes and stuff generally, but I can still enjoy them and yes. I'll probably keep read, I'll read, keep reading some of them, 
you know. Yes. And also, I think it is quite interesting that you just uh, clicked on uh, Tamsin Muir here. Yeah. Because I think if you're reading one of those books, you get a glimpse into like an author that was born in 1995 you get a glimpse into how people are yeah. thinking at the moment like and and my generation i'm now 38 oh my god yeah and we are now a big group of middle-aged people yeah and so it is for me always so important to understand what what how yeah. these how this yeah, gen- lots of authors function. having a midlife crisis uh, and yeah, in, going in different along with ways, them. and 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 turns out she's not American. Actually, she's from New South Wales in Australia and lives in the United Kingdom. Again, it's just right. But I get no, none of it is about the the specific. Well, she's not a, a weird white old man. Yes, but <laughs> what I'm saying is sort of like the um, uh, you know uh, literally <laughs> published by Tor.com, her book that's been nominated here. I'm just saying sort of like the American style of science fiction in that way, yep. which uh, which is totally which is totally fine for co-opting people into that, like bringing people in. Yeah. Again, if the books fit. Anyway, let's... Uh, should we wrap it up there? Yes, please. I, I got through, like, most of my notes. Uh, let me just make sure... So, let's not forget... The... Oh! Oh. One thing. Oh, uh, one okay. thing about this. Sarcasm and banter and snark as a substitute for jokes or genuine humour. Right. Or just using lots of swearing. This book, this trilogy that I just had... Not trying to be funny at all. I mean, like, there's lots of humour in it. And there's some really good twists and turns and fun moments, yeah. you know. yeah. But all of that's based on characters doing stuff rather right. than saying a snarky comment to somebody else. Another somebody else going, wow, that was very snarky. And the other person, I know, I'm trying to be like this character from this TV show. Yeah. Oh, are you? Ah, I really like that character from that TV show when I was a kid, when I used to watch it because something, something. And you're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, fuck, yeah. shoot me. Anyway. One important thing that we shouldn't forget is what yep. is the rating of this book? Uh, let's have another you. four stars. Okay. Uh, so what does that make of the trilogy then? Four stars. It's a, it's, As a solid... Again, it's for, I, in a way, <clears throat> I would give it more, but here's the thing. It is very long. Yes. It needs to be that long because it's attempting to be an epic. Yeah. And, it's, and it succeeds in being epic. Yeah. It doesn't become much more epic than literally talking about how gods work. Yes. Um, and the impact of it, and the, I don't want to give away the ending of the book, but big big shit goes down. Yeah, lots of shit goes down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, weirdly, it's because not all of it is the nicest stuff. Like when you're in a quagmire, it's not great, and people going around there, and the stuff happens, and you're like, oh, it'd be really great if this was just easier on everyone. Yeah. And it turns out. It life is hard and yes. if this book is going to encompass so much life it's there's there's going to be bits which again it's all very well written but it is long you know yeah. and that's the thing but also it has to be this long well it wouldn't have to be this long i i kind of wish that each book was maybe a little bit more uh, not self-contained like the first book is very much a story and the second book they're like oh the neutronium the neutronium neutronium alchemist yeah. and at the end they set it off and you know you're going to do it because they've been building up to it and here's the naked god and at the end the, the naked god turns up or they 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 go to visit the naked god yeah so each book has a focus but this last book um gets is bumped up it could it would have been five stars if it'd been shorter and a bit more focused like i don't actually need to know what happens to all the previous characters right some of those storylines could have been just dropped you're like yeah. oh they're not into important to the story yeah. Yeah. But, but also some, there's a moth buzzing around um oh wait my mouth <laughs> i breathed in and a small fly went in my mouth it wasn't a moth it was a small fly 
Uh, yeah, some of them you're like, oh, we spent a lot of time with them, and their story didn't come to anything at the end. And you're But like, that, that's okay. But that's okay. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. spending time with the wasters and losers. And where where they go in the end is like yeah it can be fun but like maybe maybe that could have just their story could have been contained just within the second book yeah and in each book like where you get a new cast of characters of mm. like who and then I we mean, still need to keep track of and, and also and remember, keep track of yeah. the previous ones yeah. I'm like ah like you that you, like you had this character who was a reporter in the first book and in the second book her story is like oh no she can't cope anymore and these other characters are like yeah they want to opt out of everything yeah and some of those characters who I thought were just going to be like the new characters in the second book who were going to opt out of stuff suddenly they were they just hung around for a lot in mm. this book and I was like ah in that case I could have done with like three or four fewer of these characters some more opting out no not opting out but just oh their story that was a really good story of theirs yeah and I probably didn't need as much about the politic like the like I say the Al Capone stuff in the second book it was really refreshing and fun in this book it was kind of just it was like hanging around and it was good you know But, and then there's also these these two kids who are wanting to go and visit Kira. And I was like, oh, right. I thought their story was kind of wrapped up in that second book. But now they're... I mean, yes, it was important that they were there for this. Next, but, and I was just like, ah, we did... That stuff could have been either wrapped up at the start of this book. But mm. they, a lot of it seemed to hang around and then didn't contribute as much as I wanted it to. Bit more tightening. On. Yeah, but but all of them actually were important in the yeah, end. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, like, of it was good, he, he but I was like, oh, yeah, it could have been tighter. Yeah. If this had been a 40-hour book, this could have been bumped up to like a four and a half, five-star ending of a trilogy. But it, yeah. it, even though it did stick the landing in many ways, it did take a bit longer. Anyway, but this has for, been... But like, for a trilogy, I just want to say... For an overall trilogy, this it's very, is... It's very interesting how normally it goes, first book, really highly rated, then the second one really dips, and sometimes the third one gets a bit yeah. high up again. But this is a continuously highly rated trilogy i have to i have to adjust my rating of this because i enjoyed it more than i thought i would oh so you have um no not just my rating i said in the first book that this is an amazing really good storytelling an amazing trilogy and also it's probably peter hamilton's like the fourth best major oh, yeah, science yeah, fiction epic. I, remember. I think it isn't. I think it's probably his third best okay. rather than his fourth best. <laughs> okay. I think his best one is probably his most recent one, Salvation, because it's sort of like just firing on all cylinders is really great. Yes. I think the... I say trilogies. Um, let me let me take that back. Um, sequence, like big chunky books. Yeah. He also did the Pandora Star, <coughs> Pandora Star and Judas Unchained, which is just two books. I think that's also better than this. I think then there's this book, and then there's probably the Dreaming Void, uh, the the Temporal Void Evolution, the Void Trilogy. Yes, is probably fourth. I would put this above the Void Trilogy, even though I think parts of the Void Trilogy are better than this. Yeah, I think overall this works better as a single statement about what he wants to do. Okay, and is a little bit more contained like right. self-contained okay because that's a follow-up to a previous third best series of so i would say um salvation the salvation sequence is number one the pandora star judas unchained is number two and i think this is his third best major science fiction epic of the ones you've read are of there the... more no no because I've, i've read it all i mean he's also done some standalone novels like fallen dragon and great north road which we talked about i think yes. those individually are very very good yes um And then there's some weaker ones, which is, uh, uh, what's that? Abyss Beyond Dreams and Night Without Stars. Just not very, not great. Although I did give them three and a half and four stars. But again, it's about what I remember. So yeah, let's wrap it up there. 
So solid four stars. Solid, solid uh, the whole trilogy, solid four stars. And like I say, if you want the opposite of what Squeakor is, but not in a negative way, not yeah. in a like we don't want, yeah. we, we don't not, want not the other spectrum. Yeah, like on a different axis, all the different axes yes. that you're not getting from Torwave, Squeakor, yeah. modern, all these Hugo Award nominated people yeah. and, and authors and stuff. Like if something is missing from that, it can be found maybe with British science fiction, uh, British space opera science fiction exponents yeah. like Peter F. Hamilton, Ian and Banks back in the day because he's dead now. Um, yeah. Alistair Reynolds and now Adrian Tchaikovsky, which might be our next episode. Yeah, you're might almost be. finished a new book of yes, his. Yes, I am. Or the next book of his or yes. another book of his. Yeah. So if you want to support us. Oh, yeah. Go over to patreon.com. Yes. Forward slash Luke Burridge. And is it's birthday coming up as well? My birthday tomorrow. Yay. Uh, go, yeah, go there. And you can support us financially, although uh, we're both back properly working now. So yes. the financial things that we had when Luke wasn't working and we were relying on um, government handouts during COVID times oh, and snap. Juliana's part-time job. Yes. We're on the other, we're on the other, we're safely on the other side like, of that. We're, Let we're me put it that there. way. Let me put it this way. Yes, we're yes, we're there. well on we're the not journey out to, there yet, yes, but. we've still got a lot less money in my bank account before we bought a house and three weeks later, a global pandemic hit. Yeah. Um, anyway, getting back there. Yes. Let's. Thanks uh, also to your help. Your people out there. Yes. Thank and, you yes, so Patreon much. Patreon supporters really helped us through. Patreon.com yes. forward slash Luke Burridge if you want to show your appreciation. And thank you for everybody's support throughout the uh, throughout the last few years, especially. Yeah. All right, All right. That's it from us. Thanks a lot for listening and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye.